I'm Captain Kirk. Fascinating. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Most illogical. I saw. Well, that was different. Yep, rousy, but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, Gideons, Chickens and Things, to episode 72 of the Muppet Trek Podcast. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. We're here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. Jarman, what are those? Those are, of course, the Muppets and Star Trek, and we do Um, one-to-one reviews of the Muppet Show and Star Trek, the original series. And this week, we have the Muppet Show with special guest Lynn Redgrave and the original series episode, The Mark of Gideon. That's right. And we have a little bit of feedback since our last episode from Bill Lamond on Twitter, who's mentioned us before, and he's sent us some nice emails. Um, He says, I've been enjoying Muppet Trek. I've also been telling friends about you and how much fun you are, especially transporter malfunction explanation point. That is a lot of people say that's their favorite. I love that people like that segment. That's great. And thank you, Bill, for telling your friends about it. Um, It's not always easy. Yeah, with podcasts and telling your friends about the podcast you listen to, because my friends wouldn't like the podcast I listen to, so I don't mention it much to my friends. So I appreciate that because it's not always an easy thing to do. So thanks, Bill. Thanks, we appreciate Bill. It. And we even said your last name right because Lamond rhymes with the pond. That's right. Don't forget it. <laughs> so, Steve, what's uh, our guest this week for the Muppet Show? Well, Lynn Redgrave, a two-time Golden Globe winner and two-time Oscar-nominated British actress. The Redgraves are a British acting dynasty. Oh yeah. And often get compared to the Barrymores mm. here in the U.S. The Grave family includes actors such as uh, Jolie Richardson, the now deceased wife of Liam Neeson, and actress Natasha Richardson. If you look them up, you'll know who they are. Mm-hmm. But what does our audience know her from? Our U.K. listeners are probably extremely familiar with her through her roles uh, and family affiliations. Our audience may know her from small roles on shows like Ugly Betty, Law and Order, and Desperate Housewives. Yeah, and if you search Redgrave on on Google, at least here in the States, the first result you'll get is her sister, Vanessa Redgrave, uh, yep. who's also very famous. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, well, this week's entire show, Front Stage and Back, is all about Robin Hood. <laughs> Kerbin introduces the unique production, which starts off with Scooter playing Alan of Dale, a mentress who introduces Sherwood Forest, the Merry Men, and Robin Hood. They practice cavorting, led by Fozzie. Uh, Kermit Hood enters and admonishes them for their cavorting. And then Maid Marian appears, played, of course, by Lynn Redgrave, and she makes her entrance. The sheriff's men are on their way, and they prepare by singing Hey Down, a merry tune. Maid Marian, however, is kidnapped in the mayhem of the singing. It's revealed the sheriff has taken Maid Marian to his dungeon, but then volunteers himself to test out the torture rack. (laughs) Gonzo gets stretched out and we get a little bit, almost a preview of the same gag from Muppet Treasure Island Mm -hmm. later on where his arms and legs stretch just unceremoniously. Up next is the archery contest to lure out Kermit Hood, uh, where the sheriff's man Black Bart tries to cheat. But in the end, Robin splits his arrow in twain, winning the contest. Kermit and Lynn now escape to sing a lovely love song to each other in the forest. Lynn is about to kiss Kermit when Piggy, dressed as a nun, interrupts, and the sheriff's men recapture Maid Marian. Robin and his men hatch a daring rescue backstage, yelling excitedly about how they need to sneak, uh, how they need to sneak and like get around stealthily. They think they find Maid Marian, but it's Piggy who's taken her place, only to reveal that Piggy has 
Lynn Redgrave trapped in her dressing room being guarded by pigs. <laughs> they then have to hatch a real rescue of Lynn slash Maid Marian. They successfully rescue her. They reprise Hey Down before Lynn Grave points out that they should be singing this on stage. <laughs> Kermit thanks Lynn one last time, who claims it was a unique stage experience. And that is what we call The Muppet Show. That was so a Darwin, fast retelling, you... man. That was awesome. <laughs> man, let's well, see. Everyone kind of knows the, the, the Robin Hood story, and they really stayed pretty true to it. They did. Yeah. Uh, so, Jarman, what did you think of this week's episode of The Muppet Show with Lynn Redgrave? So I really enjoyed this episode, and I know it didn't have our typical segments and stuff, but it's nice when they occasionally move away from that. They don't have to do that all the time. And I think Lynn Redgrave was perfect for this retelling of Robin Hood because she fit in so well as Maid Marian. And um, I think like we, it's very prescient of the upcoming Muppet films that tell the, a classic story with Muppets and human uh-huh. actors. Um, like you mentioned, it even used the scene that's later used in uh, Treasure Island. Um, also really fun having Piggy being super jealous of not having a part in the show. So he puts her in as instead of Friar Tuck, it's Sister Tuck. <laughs> um, and uh, also Gonzo loving some BDSM because he's had lots of other kinks in the past. And not oh, to he's mention, totally into it. Yeah, he's he's always got some weird stuff going on. Including his love, love of chickens. It's always weird. Um, but yeah, I just think it was overall a lot of fun and great costumes, the sets, everything. It was just one of my the favorite episodes for me this season so far, actually. Uh, I, I agree with some of your points. I think, you, I, you know, I'm a, a sucker when the backstage and onstage plots like connect yeah. and really intertwine. And this was that just across the board, the, the, the real rescue of Lynn from piggy who has kidnapped her. I thought was just super, super appropriate. <laughs> and they and kind of great. repeat the same sequence twice with Kermit fighting the, the sword fight and everything. <laughs> um, I agree one thing you you touched on was that there weren't a lot of the normal shtick. There weren't a lot of the normal sketches. And I felt like some of them could have been integrated pretty easily. Kind of like they did with the, the country Western episode where it's. Yeah. Like, yeah. Where they, where they take Lynn Redgrave to a torture chamber and it says Bunsen honeydew in Beaker's laboratory where they are about ah. to test out torture devices. And then Gonzo insists he tests them on him first. Yeah, same bit, same premise, but you could have gotten some familiar pieces in there mm-hmm. um, because some of the segments felt stretched. The opening with the Merry Men and the cavorting and stuff felt like they didn't have enough written. I could see that. Um, so I think with just a few small adjustments, this could have gone from like a very good episode to, you know, best episode of the series. And kind of at kind the of end, level. too, it felt like they're before the credits started to roll, she like, it was just kind of hanging out there with them. There was like stretching for time. I guess I could feel that a little yeah. bit there too at the end as well. Um, so I just think maybe using themselves, you know, using the time a little bit better, writing a little bit more for such a good guest who really sold it, really interacted well with the Muppets. I think. Oh yeah. It was just short of, I think being like the best episode. All right. I can, I can see those points. That makes sense. Um, so let's talk about the music this week. And that's maybe the other thing I think was a little bit lacking. There wasn't a lot of music. That's true. Uh, hey Down, which was written by Muppet Music Associate Derek Scott and uh, third season writer Chris Langham. Scott wrote other Muppet standards like Pig Calypso and Muppet Limbo, which we've talked about before. Mm. Langham was a British comic writer and performer and was actually recommended to Jim by guest star by guest star John Cleese. Oh, when he hosted or when he was the special guest, rather. Very nice. 
Um, I Still Love You. This is a love song between Lynn and Kermit. Another original for the show written by Larry Grossman, writer of Snoopy, the musical. Oh, wow. Lyrics were also written for that song by Jerry Jewell, head writer of the Muppets and someone who had been working with Jim behind this uh, scene since his first show, Salmon Friends. So all the music this week was like original for the show. Nice. Jarman, what, what did you think was the best Muppeteering moment this week? I guess there wasn't a whole lot of uh, crazy stuff going on, except for probably the first off cavorting scene with just like, tons of tons of Muppets on stage, all dancing and all moving, moving yeah. and cavorting. <laughs> so that was, You're that not was doing it right. Cavort, 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 cavort. So that was a lot of fun. And there was sword fighting and stuff. I think the, the cavorting scene probably does it for me. Uh, I'm not sure if this is great Muppeteering, but something I loved was any time they had a sword fight. <laughs> yeah. Watching puppets sword fight is just so funny. It's so uncoordinated. It was more awkward than I expected. I was like, what are they doing? Like, they're not even hitting right. each other. It just felt, it felt awkward, um, but in a really funny way. Um, this sort of lended to the credence of like, no one's going to hurt each other. <laughs> He kind of so I'm not sure if that's best cheering moment, but that was the performance that I thought was the funniest. It's like Kermit leaning so forward with his stick and just kind of falling into the other guy and then make a smack sound effect, and that does it. <laughs> like swinging wildly. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> so, German, what happened on this week's episode of Star Trek The Original Series? So this week we have the Mark of Gideon. We have the Enterprise arriving at the planet called Gideon to discuss diplomatic relations. Uh, they've been told that this planet is a paradise, um, but they have they've been very difficult to talk to and they won't allow scanning of their planet. Um, and they've only allowed Captain Kirk himself to beam over and discuss plans for diplomacy with the Federation. So they give him the coordinates for him to beam over, which they never really have to do else, elsewhere, give actual coordinates. But for this episode, apparently it's necessary. But as soon as he beams out, it appears that he has beamed right back into the transporter room of the Enterprise. But he investigates and finds there's the Enterprise is completely empty. There's no one around. And meanwhile, we kind of flash back and Spock uh, also notices that uh, Kirk didn't land on the planet because he speaks to the ambassador of Gideon, Hoden. But Hoden says that Kirk never arrived. So we're like, where is Kirk? Is he in some alternate reality? Is he in some kind of other space or time? Um, so Hoden, Hoden won't let Spock scan the planet to send a team or send a team to look for Kirk. But Hoden assures Spock that he'll send his own team to search for him. So Spock contacts the Federation and Starfleet to ask them if he can do any more to search for Kirk. But with their bureaucracy and everything, they won't let him do anything more um, because it's a very delicate diplomatic situation. Meanwhile, Kirk discovers that he has a weird bruise on his arm. And then he finds a random woman kind of dancing around the ship, kind of like um, that woman from Fleetwood Mac. It's very strange, like she's high or something. She says her name is Adona and that she has no idea how she got there, but just that she remembers being in an overcrowded auditorium and not being able to breathe. There's so many people around her and she loves how empty the ship is. So Kirk tells her that she must be from Gideon, but she doesn't seem to know what that is. So Adona tells him that her planet is completely overpopulated and that anyone there would kill for just a moment of privacy. And as they're talking, they quickly start to fall in love, as they do in a lot of these episodes, and they kiss, not noticing these very creepy people showing up on the view screen on the bridge, just staring at them, all in green outfits like onesies. Also, the Enterprise that he's on seems mostly non-responsive to his commands, so Kirk thinks this must be set up by some kind of powerful entity or race, which I thought wasn't a bad guess, considering that happens all the time in the show, but that wasn't what was happening. And as they walk through the corridors, they hear a strange noise sounding like it's coming from outside the ship, which doesn't make any sense because they're in space. So they go to a viewport and open it, and they briefly see those weird people staring at them instead of space. And then it suddenly turns back to space again. 
So Kirk either thinks they're going crazy or thinks Adona knows something about what's going on. But she claims she has no idea what's happening. And suddenly she starts feeling ill and falls into his arms. So Kirk takes her to sick bay, but he's greeted there by Ambassador Hoden. And apparently this is a duplicate enterprise created by the people on Gideon to fool Kirk for some reason. So Hoden tells him that Odonna, Dona is his daughter and that she now has vegan choreomeningitis, which is something that Kirk had in the past. And now he's passed on to her. So apparently Hoden's plan was to infect his population with the virus and first let his daughter die to show that it can happen and to shorten their lifespans and thin out their population because they're, they've been incredibly healthy for so long that they now have a huge overpopulation problem and no one's dying. And so they just can't, they can barely move on their planet. So Kirk asks them why they don't just use birth control, but Hoden says no, because life is precious, apparently. Meanwhile, back on the real Enterprise, Spock goes against Starfleet and Federation orders, and he beams down to Gideon, knocks out the guards, and takes Kirk and Adona back to the real Enterprise. Bones cures Adona, but now she still carries the virus, so she can go back down and give it to all her people and let them all die. Yay! So that's the end of the Mark of Gideon. So, Steve, what do you think of this episode? Um, all right. So some things I liked. Uh, I liked getting to see Spock in charge, but not only in charge, having to be diplomatic. Yeah, I love that part. We've seen Spock multiple times have to figure out, like, what happened to Captain Kirk? What's happening with the space anomaly? Blah, blah, blah. But it's very rare that we've seen him have to, like, interact with another <laughs> Oh like yeah, alien species in a diplomatic way. Uh, so that was very cool. I liked the subversion of expectations in that, like even Kirk called it out. Like it's, this is some super powerful race playing with us, <laughs> yeah, testing us over and over. And it kind of was, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I like that subversion of expectations, even for the show. Like it shows a self-awareness that mm-hmm. I don't know if we've seen in Star Trek a whole lot before this. <laughs> um, some things and i liked that the main guy from gideon looked like a nick kroll character <laughs> really yeah look at nick kroll and look at the main guy i'll have to do that <laughs> it looks like it just looks like a nick kroll character i kid you not <laughs> um i even looked to see if they were in some way related but couldn't find anything because i thought they looked that similar that's funny um things i struggled with a little bit and this is something maybe for the majority of this season I feel like Bones has really gotten the shaft this season. Yeah, that one episode where he was very prevalent in that when they're yeah. that, that, that big black room with that woman, but that was about it. Yeah. But yeah, like he comes in, he advises Spock a little bit, and then he just kind of like wanders through the background of scenes, it feels like, <laughs> the rest of the episode. Yeah, he was pretty missing in this episode. Um, I I thought the 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 people like in the green suits just wandering around aimlessly just came off so silly and goofy. <laughs> it was really difficult for me to take the premise seriously. Cause what are they doing? They were just like bumping into each other and walking around like, right. And no mind you, they did explain it. And that like, you know, we're overpopulated. People literally just wander around with no purpose <laughs> in life. Um, but at the same time, it's one of those things where they are highly advanced species. Mm-hmm. They've got, decent technological abilities it seems how have they not solved this problem by sending people off world that was my biggest thing about this episode glaring and made me so mad was that even the, even if they couldn't figure out that they can't travel off world 
now that they're there, Kirk could just easily say, oh, we'll find you settlements. We'll get people off your planet. Like, that's immediately the best option. Right. Why wouldn't they do that? Let's unleash a virus that kills most of your people to take care of this. Like, I couldn't take anything else seriously the rest of the episode when I found out what's going on when he doesn't suggest that. I'm like, this is all bullshit now. (laughs) Like, what is going on? And the thing I just thought was ridiculous, which you even pointed out in your in your uh, your review was. You know, well, why why can't you use contraception? And the basically the answer was, we're Catholic. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. That was basically the answer. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> we all life is precious. They're basically as right wing Republicans. That's what it is. <laughs> um, it was just it was just that that just took sort of took the wind out of the episode. It did a lot in some ways. Um, but everything else was expected. The forced falling in love was expected. Yeah. It, at the end of the day, it was an alien right race playing games with Kirk. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I thought it, it was going to be so middling for me that I'm kind of like, eh. well, at first, I really liked the idea that I know they had a lower budget this whole season. So it was a great way to have at first a bottle episode and be different. Because suddenly, where is Kirk? How is he on the Enterprise when no one's there when we know that everyone is still there? Right, they use existing sets, very minimal additional costumes. Like, that was a great idea at first. And, like, he's missing nine minutes of time. He's got a bruised arm. What happened? That's a mystery. I like it. It's cool. And is the guy, Ambassador, telling Spock everything? Spock's being a, a diplomat. This is really cool. And then it just kind of, like you said, the wind from the sails just goes away because it doesn't mm. make any sense at the end. But so it was really cool and then suddenly fell so for me, very middling in the end. It could have been much better, but very middling. Yeah. I can think of a lot of episodes I dislike more than this. Right. This one's this one's pretty bad. <laughs> it's, it's not great. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we have some trivia for this episode. Uh, this episode was written by Stanley Adams, who had earlier guest starred as Cyrano, Cyrano Jones in The Trouble with Triples. So he's the guy who basically gives everybody the triples, if I'm, if I'm correct. I think that's him. Um, and so now he wrote this episode. So Adams had, uh, had become concerned over the issue of overpopulation. And during the production of the triples episode, he mentioned to Gene Roddenberry that he thought it would be an interesting social topic for the series to address. However, Adams said that he was disappointed by the episode's final results. So <laughs> I could understand that. Yeah, man. It's like he had a good point there, but didn't quite hit the mark, the, the mark of Gideon. Um, ah. eh. so McCoy makes a sarcastic remark regarding Spock having a career as a diplomat. And then it's funny because Spock later go on to have a career in diplomacy and he negotiates with the Klingons and Star Trek, the undiscovered country. And he works as ambassador during the time of Star Trek, the next generation. And he goes on even further than that to be the one negotiating between um, the Vulcans and the Romulans uh, mm. for a long, long time. So he basically does become a career diplomat, which is kind of funny. So there you go. A little trivia there. So what's nice. the uh, Trek connection, Muppet connections this time? Oh, man, I got a, I got a bunch of good ones, actually. Nice. There have been some ones where I just can't find anything. This is this is a good one. <laughs> uh, in July of 1974, there was an episode of $10,000 Pyramid spe- uh, featuring special celebrity guests, Dick Clark, Lynn Redgrave, and Leonard Demoy. Hey, hey. Direct connection. Uh, a 1983 TV production of Antony and Cleopatra featured Nichelle Nichols in the role of Charmaine. And in the role of Cleopatra, Lynn Redgrave. Well, look at that. It also featured Walter Koenig as Pompeii. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Lynn Redgrave was also in the 2003 Peter Pan film that came out. She played Aunt Millicent. This movie featured Jason Isaacs as Mr. Darling and Captain Hook. He later went on to play Captain Gabriel Lorca on Star Trek Discovery. (laughs) That's right. 
And Sharon Acker, who played Odona or Odonna, mm-hmm. I can't remember, Odona, um, in this episode was also in an episode of The Love Boat. Really? Oh, yeah. And as we've mentioned many, many times, many, many Muppet Show guests and Star Trek one-shot actors have been on The Love Boat. Okay. Uh, <laughs> That's great, man. But these are basically the same episode, if you really look at it closely. Because, uh, you know, Gonzo seems to purposely put himself through pain in the torture scene as the sheriff of Nottingham, just as O'Donna purposely puts herself through pain by volunteering to get meningitis. Nice. Mm-hmm. Both feature audiences watching people, the disembodied faces looking into the Enterprise from the outside, <laughs> and the audience in the Muppet Theater. Oh, nice. Very nice. Uh, both episodes have a character who thinks something is the real version of something, but it turns out it isn't. So Kirk, when he's beamed over to the fake duplicate Enterprise, and Sam the Eagle when he meets the fake William Shakespeare. <laughs> nice. Uh, both feature people being guarded. Lynn Gredgrave slash Maid Marion being guarded by the sheriff's men and Kirk being guarded by the weird bodysuit guys. <laughs> yes. uh, and on the Muppets, the town crier first exclaims that all is well, all is well, but later shares just how horrible the state of affairs actually are. Mm-hmm. Just how Ambassador Houghton initially tells the Federation that Gideon is a paradise, but later reveals that it's in a terrible state of overpopulation. Ooh, I mean, I like same that. episode, man. I'm down. Oh, oh what's that noise? Order, not huh. Transporter malfunction. All right, so it's the time of the show where we transport one character from one episode to the other and vice versa. A fan favorite. Steve, what you got for us? Uh, Trek to Muppets this week. I've got bringing over the weird bodysuit guys <laughs> and replacing all the merry men with them. Oh, God. <laughs> and having Fozzie trying to teach them how to cavort properly while they just kind of aimlessly wander and bump into each other <laughs> in Sherwood Forest. That's an amazing one. Oh, from Trek to Muppets, I have Spock would come over to replace Scooter because he would be great at singing his folk style music as the narrator bard of the Robin Hood adventure. (laughs) Nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Muppets to Trek, I've got bringing over Lynn Redgrave to replace Odona. Mm. And it would add a touch of class and gravitas. Oh, yes. Intelligence. Yes. There's a Redgrave in this episode. It's a must watch. Uh, Muppets to Star Trek, I have Sam the Eagle would replace Ambassador Hoden. Because he, too, also seems like he would be pro-life Republican who doesn't believe in birth control. <laughs> we are Catholic. Oh, life is precious. We couldn't do that. Uh, <laughs> so that brings us to the end of episode 72 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for The Muppet Show with special guest Cheryl Ladd. Yeah, an original series episode, That Which Survives. And next episode marks the end of The Muppet Show season three. So get ready for the best and worst of season three and see what gets added to our best and worst of the entire series so far. Very exciting. So from the lovers, the dreamers and us live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds.